Hello. Welcome to another What Is Now experience. I'm Charles Freely, and I'm here with my good friend, Saket Brisby. If we had to be categorized, we're both investigators of consciousness, with training backgrounds and professional experience in the world of psychological and spiritual healing. Each of these sessions is an adventure of the present moment. Saqib and I begin each session by sitting in silence for one minute and then simply see what arises now. We have no plan, no prepared material or concepts to cover, but are placing our trust in the wisdom of this right now experience. This is an expression of our shared philosophy of healing. If we can only let go of our desire for the present moment to be a certain way other than it is, then we can find the unexpected answers of what is actually now. So, if you will join us, we will begin with one minute of silence, and you can use this minute in whatever way you like, with your eyes closed, sitting, eyes open, standing, or walking, or driving in your car. We only ask that you return to what is actually happening right now in this moment, to reset the momentum of the day, and open up to just this. After this minute, Sakab and I will explore whatever arises between us. We identify themes of our exploration as we go, and then Sakib finishes with a short guided meditation based on the themes that arise in the session. And now let's enter one minute of silence together as we explore what is now really. And you'll hear a bell to start and end this one minute of your day. Anything you notice in particular? It was different for me uh, this time, this silence. And I was in a state of uh, kind of not having any thoughts. And I think it was it was more of a meditative state in which I was just able to be here now in the present moment usually there would be some thought arising or inside but this time it was different but then finally towards the end of this of the silence there was this thought that came up and the thought was that i'm dumb hmm. 
and i don't know why it came up i think it came up because uh i was not having any thoughts and it felt like being dumb you know usually uh, we we are uh, maybe it comes from our conditioning from the society that uh, you know we need to think we need to do something uh at least if if not doing anything physically but at least you know maybe creating a plan in our mind strategizing contemplating on things but because i wasn't doing any any of that i felt this feeling of being dumb that i'm not doing anything i'm just dumb hmm what was the or even as you think of it now what hmm. was the the tone of it like or the the feeling tone of that the voice that's said that it was nice it was uh, more uh, of like a good feeling for being dumb coming that, that was coming from inside but then there were certain fears arising of not doing anything you know maybe these fears are arising from the belief systems the way we have been brought up to you know to just do all the time and the fears were telling me that you need to do something here you need to think of something to speak during this episode something has to come up so and then this <laughs> this phrase came up in my mind you know a voice said that you are dumb huh yeah interesting cuz that so i hear two things there one of it being which is maybe unexpected kind of nice to be quote unquote dumb hmm. and there being a good feeling there Uh, yeah. and then on the other side there being something critical uh mm. that says that you are dumb in a a critical way yes. that you should be something different yes yes what I is was... that what is that voice like the second one the second voice is more like uh this person and i think now i can see that there are two aspects of me two maybe two personalities within me you know the way uh, it's depicted in religions the the angel and the devil so the mm. angel is saying here that you know you are dumb in a nice way uh, mm. that it's great to be just here in this moment however the devil is saying that uh, no you need to do something here you need to think of something here you you have to like you know spend this one hour in this uh in this podcast and you have to talk about something productive you have to like come up with a conversation and this was something similar that i was also noticing yesterday when uh i was just taking a walk uh you know by the ocean side and i was in that i came in that state of not having any thoughts just being in the moment uh but then there was this voice you know the other side the devil telling me that uh how can you spend one hour not doing anything not thinking anything at least mm-hmm. if you are by by the ocean side if you are not doing anything at least you should think of, about something you should you know plan you need to do so many things mm-hmm. so these these are like the the angels and demons within me how <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do do you experience this or maybe you can tell first what what was your experience of this one minute mm-hmm. Well, I'll I'll stay with where you're going, because mm-hmm. uh, I certainly do seem to experience both of those. Mm-hmm. 
And I do feel quite a bit of pressure sometimes to, and it's a weird kind of doing maybe in the line that of work that we're in, because maybe we could subtly fool ourselves that we're not doing the, the typical type of of always doing something like maybe if it's reading a book about something or or meditating or hosting a podcast or uh, whatever these things are. Mm. And you know, this is kind of interesting just to just to puncture that line of thought right now. Mm. I notice myself lose my train of thought along mm. there and I could potentially try to find it or finish it. Mm. Uh, but it might also be kind of cool to just allow that to take place and not finish the thought mm. of where I was going. Yeah. Uh, what's it like for you when I when I say that, or I wonder if you even have a sense of me not before I said that of not finishing the train of thought or losing. I think in the previous session, I was talking about a uh, previous uh, episode, I was talking about, you know, my admiration for Jiddu Krishnamurti, the, the way he would take long pauses before saying anything. Mm. And I think I, I saw Jiddu in you right now. <laughs> you know, that uh, I, I was in fact inspired by by this pause of yours that, you know, you are taking that pause to let, just, just let things come up. Mm. And uh, because sometimes we have this sense of anxiety uh, or this idea that we need to finish what we are saying, you know, there is an expectation from the listener as well. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it was really beautiful, actually. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there feels like something very kind of sweet and tender to me about a space to be able to, to do that, uh, to just stop where you're going and um, mm -hmm. be like, I don't even know where exactly I was going. It started with something and then I noticed kind of losing it. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to just share about that with you, mm -hmm. uh, like maybe the word I want to say is well up a little bit, but there's just like even moisture that I feel there's something kind of raw and opening about being able to just kind of like what you were saying about Krishnamurti to mm -hmm. be in a space where you can explore like that yeah mm. yeah and I'm not sure if uh, if I told this uh, previously but uh, Krishnamurti uh, was also you know very against uh, people writing in his sessions mm -hmm. taking down notes and he would just say that just be with yourself inquire what is here uh, I think this this is something which I have noticed uh, the people who actually have that deep insight and tell things from the present moment, the way the, what we are doing right now, you know, with this uh, episode of what is now, I think that is something I really feel connected to. So maybe when you are taking that pause, uh, it is something I'm like more intently listening now because I know that something deep is going to come up mm. from you rather than, mm -hmm. you know, uh, repeating we repeating our thoughts or maybe just saying something from our ideas that are already there. Yeah. It, it makes me think of, uh, in relation to 
something I learned in, in my psychotherapy training mm-hmm. uh, w- within a sort of a particular realm or school of it and a particular mentor who was kind of within the school, you might call it gestalt. Um, are you familiar with kind of the gestalt school of psychology and psychotherapy? A little bit, yeah, but if you want to elaborate on that. So very, very focused on your present alive experience mm-hmm. and, and this mentor of mine sort of get, he helped me establish a barometer of my work with an individual mm-hmm. and a, a very clear barometer of kind of, you could put it into to good and bad or, or better or not as good therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the barometer being how alive do you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, like how, how present is this interaction and forget what you're talking about? Like who cares what the content is? Just gauge how alive it feels. And if you're not feeling that alive or that connected in the moment, just notice mm-hmm. like what that is and make some sort of shift to bring you back to a present moment connection and just mm-hmm. keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Totally letting go of like direction or where this is supposed to go or why I'm saying the thing that I'm saying, mm-hmm. just noticing at this moment, do I feel more connected or do I feel more kind of distant or mm-hmm. up in my head? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how can I shift back to being right here with you. Mm. And so I guess there in that moment, I was kind of noticing something that is maybe a little bit more head driven, or I have a particular narrative direction that I'm moving in. Yeah. And then feeling myself maybe even getting a little, not lost, but just like now I'm kind of just delivering something. Mm. Um, And I'm trying to figure out how to get to the end of this thing that I started, Mm. but also noticing inside me that feeling, Mm. which is more alive than, the narrative path that I'm trying to get to. So, mm. so then in that moment to try to take the risk to stop and get off the path mm. and then share, share with you like where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Is, but my question to you is, isn't that a scary place to be? Scary. Like, yeah. Like in the sense that, you know, when you have ideas in your mind and this is something I'm, I'm working on myself. And I, I see the value in this. So, you know, for example, when we are doing a session or something, or maybe even this uh, episode, when we have ideas in our mind, it's a much more comfortable place to be because now we know what we are talking about. Now we are like, you know, we know what is we are going to say next. But not having those ideas, just being in the moment and letting things come up, isn't like that. Is there, is there a feeling of, fear there is there is there fear for you i just want to know that you know maybe i will not be able to talk about anything maybe i will not you know speak about anything for for many moments which can be you know seen as something embarrassing for many people yeah or maybe like dumb or yeah awkward yeah. or they don't even actually know what they're talking about or yeah which maybe is true yeah. uh, i would say yes uh, the, as you were talking, the word that came to my mind was naked. It's like you're allowing your, your underlying self to be naked hmm. versus where you typically have the clothing of structure and uh, some train of thought or a particular thing to be delivering. It's like I'm sort of viewing that as, as clothes that you're wearing uh, yeah. on top of something that are socially appropriate and that people can see and they're like, okay, yeah, I get that. And I'm on board. But then to take your clothes off uh, might 
be a scary on your behalf and be jarring for the person uh, that you're engaged with. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, but how do you, like, how do you overcome that idea? How do you overcome that, uh, you know, fear of being naked? To me, it feels like it's become at least, and I want to hear what you think too. Uh, maybe along this path that we both kind of find ourselves maybe on some sort of similar path of self-discovery and discovery of what the present moment is, mm. it feels like less and less of an option not to. Um, mm. Because that's where things are interesting. Like that's where things are alive mm. and real and new. In yeah. uh, that's what's, I guess, enjoyable to me about living, or it's, it's like the, it's, it's the real thing, I guess, or it's more real uh, than something that feels more comfortable or controlled or guarded. And yeah. so it is scary, but it's also, that's where I want to be because it's scary. And I guess, or maybe it's a reframe of what scary means. Mm. of scary being a pointer to what is like cool and, and awesome about this chance to be alive versus it being a pointer to something that you sh should avoid at all costs. Mm. I don't know, have, this image just popped to my mind that I often bring up in, in my individual work and that I think of sometimes. Mm. Um, have I mentioned this, the notion of like a real flower versus a, a plastic flower? No, you haven't. I, I don't think so. And so a real flower is mm -hmm. clearly if you were to choose, I, I would guess at least in most situations, if you were to choose to have a real flower or a plastic flower, like on your desk or something, mm -hmm. um, that you would choose the real flower because it's clearly so much more beautiful and it's so much more unique. Right. But at the same time, it's, it's short-lived and it's going to quickly decompose and die and it requires like watering and yeah. all of this. And the, the plastic flower doesn't require much of anything and mm. it will live indefinitely uh, unless like it's damaged or you throw it away or something. Yeah. And this is a, I think of this in terms of like how we live and how we can be so easily pulled to try to live the life of a plastic flower because mm. there's more security and comfort and and it's like that's how every, like all these other people are that you see and on tv and there's this idea of what a plastic flower is and like that can give you some sense of uh maybe control and safety in mm. in this life versus you already are uh, a real flower and it's mm. so much more beautiful than that but to but to face up to your flowerness and to like fully be your flowerness is to also embrace like the ugliness of it and yeah. the fact that it's going to die in the near future and the fact that it's not like any other flower and all of this um so maybe think of that like the notion of of fear maybe there's a reframe of possibly seeing this dichotomy of the, the plastic flower and the real flower. And mm. then through potentially maybe seeing it clearly, the choice is, is obvious of what I want to be in my short time here. Um, but I think I probably frequently still get pulled back into 
what you might call the quote unquote plastic flower yeah. way of living. Yeah. No, that's a wonderful analogy. And I think I can see it as facing uh, our fears, you know, facing the fear and what I've been able to do uh, with, with this podcast and with you is that I've been able to face my fears to just be and let things come up rather than, you know, talking from ideas that are all, already there in my mind. And this reminds me of my journey and of trying to understand that how I can speak, uh, you know, well, how can I connect to the audience? And I was doing some courses in which uh, I was listening to certain uh, self-development uh, teachers. I was reading their books. And I think almost everybody talks about like speaking in a way which is which can convince the audience uh you you know you give certain pointers and there was this uh, teacher who was telling that you you give certain pointers to people you know you make them write down so that they get this idea that you know they are getting some value out of the session when you think mm. it's written down it's like playing with the psychology of people and you uh you know, you are very clear and concise about what you are talking. You are telling people what they will get at the end of the session. You know, what is it that uh, they, they can expect out of the session? And I was doing that for a long time, but then I realized that. Uh, so I had this session with a uh, one on one session with a psychic medium. Hmm. And uh, she was channeling and she was like connecting to my own higher self, my soul, uh, whatever you call that. I don't know that how that happens, but she did that. And she said that your higher self and your soul is telling me that trust yourself. Hmm. You know, you're not trusting yourself. This is like running away from yourself when you are uh, just uh, thinking of things, what you, what you want to speak in your sessions or what do you want to speak about whenever you are giving that workshop or, you know, public discourse, uh, when you are writing them down, when you already know what you want to speak, that is like not trusting yourself mm. enough. And if you trust yourself enough, when you are just there, you know, vulnerable, naked, dumb, as you said, then the thing that will go through you, you know, the, the energy of the universe that will pass through you, the insights, the ideas, that will be really powerful and that can take your life to another level. Mm. You know, that can take your own consciousness to another level and it can also benefit other people and other people really want that. They want their, your originality rather than, you know, your repeated ideas. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a very, uh, like, transforming session for me with that medium and you know since then uh, I have this intention of just being in the now and I'm so glad you know maybe this is synchronicity from the universe that uh, uh, you came in my life and you know we started this together yeah yeah wow do you maybe do you or, or did you when we started do you did you have any resistance to uh, engaging in this way Yes, yes. I, I had those fears uh, coming up, you know, that uh, what will I talk about? <laughs> I had that question in my mind that, uh, okay, I have been learning uh, so much. I have been reading books. I have been like writing down things. I have those ideas in my mind and I'm presenting those ideas. But uh, 
what will I talk about now if I don't have ideas? It was a very, you know, as I said, and that's why I asked this question to you. You know, is it scary for you? Because it was really scary for me mm. to just leave that attachment to all the old ideas and to just be here and now. But it has been so beautiful. And I realized that this is usually what I do when I'm by myself and I'm, you know, writing ideas in my notebook. And in the, uh, you know, I'm in, in the morning when I wake up, I do this. So I, I usually just sit with myself and I, whatever comes up, I write that down in my diary. Mm. And I, I realized that I have been doing that. I just need to trust myself in that way, in, the, in a similar way during these sessions. Mm. Yeah, so maybe we're sort of gradually expanding that comfort that we might have individually. I'm thinking of myself, like after a meditation in the morning, I have a journal mm. and there's the zero inhibition to write Mm. anything and it might not even make sense or it could be just some combination of words or even a, a drawing or something mm. and we're sort of potentially expanding that to an interpersonal space yes here of just i mean maybe it's not the elimination of fear but it's the acceptance of fear as mm. as part of this process and for that to be totally okay yeah uh, uh, a potentially beautiful image that I have there is that it's so there's this ball of that inside of you and me and it's sort of expanding and connecting here and then we're also maybe infecting the listening audience to a certain degree with some courage to continue to explore these mm. kind of questions mm. on their own and with other people in their lives in this open way mm. uh, and the whole sort of ripple effect of it being okay to be vulnerable and to not know where it is that you're going or what it is that you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and then, then that person inevitably impacts the other person, maybe makes them feel more okay with yeah. exploring something versus interacting in a very um, superficial, tra superficial transactional mm -hmm. kind of way. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe that's a kind of a breakdown or a, a dichotomy that I see like transactional uh, versus play. Um, mm -hmm. And it feels to me like we're in a state of play mm -hmm. in which it's okay for anything to come up uh, versus there's a transaction happening and there's, there's sort of a, a winner loser kind of element to it. Mm. Yeah, I know you're saying that I'm thinking about uh, what stops me from doing that and what has stopped me from doing that maybe this fear of judgment or you know what others might think about me but if we can work on that and maybe you know if I'm thinking of a, a possible scenario in the future I think it will be really powerful to do this in groups you know people gathering together in, in large numbers and just exploring that together and you know being with, with themselves and a space where, which is non-judgmental, a space which is uh, where people are just true. And I think in that space, such beautiful creativity, uh, brainstorming, many things like magic can happen in that space. Mm. Uh, now I'm also thinking about uh, this, you know, makes me go back to in the time when I was working uh, in the corporate and when I used to have these corporate meetings. 
I would see, now I can see that I would mostly see people to, you know, having those pointers in front of them and then discussing. Uh, but rarely, you know, there were those brainstorming sessions in which we are just in the moment and, you know, things are coming up. I think those brain, brain, brainstorming sessions uh, in, in that job that I was doing, those were the most powerful sessions and those were the sessions where, uh, you know, the creativity was at its peak and we came up with great ideas that helped the organization to grow. Mm. So maybe even in, you know, the corporate space, this can be something really powerful. What do you think? I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine that anything you do can be done in an alive and creative way, mm. no matter what it is. Mm. Uh, and there's potentially always the possibility of engaging in it in a really present, alive way. And it sounds like what we're what we're saying is that maybe that's also the way that can make it something incredible or, or, or really great. Mm. Uh, the thing that you really want it to be or that others are looking for, mm. like you have to, or maybe not have to, but there's something about getting out of your own way to allow it to unfold. Mm. And then it, 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 it is this thing that only you could have created, mm. but it takes also the, the acceptance of the fear of how it's going to turn out. Or maybe that if you, if you were to go and try to find it and it won't be there and then what's going to happen, like you're going to look dumb or uh, you'll be exposed yeah. uh, for not having this creative thing mm. or like, or like you Saka will be exposed for, not really being an authority on whatever yeah. this thing is or me yeah. uh, not knowing what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad that we don't have any, uh, you know, specific topics for these episodes, mm. uh, any preconceived notions regarding the topics, because then we don't, you know, we, we neither we have that expectation. And I believe neither the listener has that expectation that, we are experts on this particular topic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there's this space of allowing ourselves to just be and not having that fear of judgment from, from the listener. Mm. I wonder what that's like for the listener now as they reflect mm. on maybe however many times they've been here with us, or if this is their first time, mm-hmm. what it's like to be included like, in this space of openness and hopefully to fear to feel our genuine mm-hmm. willingness to be here mm-hmm. uh, in this open and vulnerable way. This mm-hmm. feels like a really precious kind of raw, pulsing, living space mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious to know, so I was, we were talking about what I experienced in that one minute. What was your experience? Let's get mm. What was my experience? It was also a fairly blank uh, period of time. Mm -hmm. And we talked last time about uh, eyes open meditation. Mm -hmm. And this time I engaged in it eyes open. And I was just sort of taking in my desk in front of me, which is kind of cool looking here. It's very geometrical. There's so many different lines moving in different directions. Mm -hmm. And I was just experiencing that. Hmm. 
it was a very visual experience. Mm. What what happens to you in such moments, like the way you just described, and you know maybe at times when you are not thinking about anything or not doing anything, what is that usually experience for you? Like, is are you able to sustain that for longer durations, or is it that you know there is this voice or you know that fear that comes up that you need to do something or you know you can't be in this space? How is that for you? Hmm. I might not have totally captured what you're asking, mm -hmm. but my first response is that something like in this moment, and I think I stopped to, to talk about this last time as well, mm -hmm. uh, that something, so you say something, and then in this moment, now something is just arising, and I feel like I, quote unquote, uh, am getting out of the way of it, but then quickly I quote unquote, will come back in and will probably start to try to manipulate and control these words that are flowing out of me. And that's when I'll probably lose maybe my train of thought, or I'll start to wonder what you're thinking about something, or maybe a nonverbal that I see from you. And then I start to maybe, uh, intentionally try to filter what it is that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But most of the time it's, it's just, uh, I feel really lucky to, for whatever reason, have moved into more of a state of play interpersonally mm. where I'm just like, oh, what's, you know, this person just asked me a question. So mm. what's going to come up when I respond to them? Mm. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to be and it's just going to unfold. And, and then if I can allow that to happen, it feels like it's so much more alive and connected and uh sounds good ultimately maybe to the other person even if i forget what it was that i, I was talking about mm -hmm. i don't know if that answers your question yeah it does it does uh to a great extent one thing that i also want to and you know i'm in that questioning mode right now <laughs> asking you a lot of questions because this is something i'm really curious about and contemplating that how what maybe is the percentage of time? I don't know if I should say percentage, but what is the proportion of time that we allow ourselves to just be? Now, why I'm saying that, let me give you an example, uh, you know, of, of my journey, uh, where initially I was in a period of, you know, there was a period of six months when I just moved to Canada. And at that time, most of the time, I was just in that being state, where I was not having any thoughts, you know, not maybe not having too many thoughts, not having the the will to maybe do something and to, you know, achieve something. And that was a beautiful space to be in. However, in that six months, I realized that my productivity productivity levels had gone down drastically. Uh, then, you know, there came a time uh, in my life for for I think the past uh, six months or so, past one year or so, where I was in that doing mode uh, more rather than in being mode. But recently, lately, I've started again experiencing that being mode. So I'm like in, in a state of confusion where do I be or do I do, you know? Mm -hmm. or, or what is that balance? Mm. And how much time I'm getting these questions, like how much time can I just spend in a day to just be in the moment? So like how do you figure that out for yourself? So your question, it makes me think of 
like the notion of the middle path mm. uh, and and how that's there's something really maybe difficult about finding that uh, because we might be pulled to want it to be all one or or all another, like to get sucked into constantly doing or sucked into just being and maybe not feeling the energy to yeah to do as much uh but to me it feels like there's some sort of optimal balanced wavelength of of like going hard into doing and Mm -hmm. that could look many different ways i consider doing for me in some way like reading could be a sort of doing where i'm i'm like consuming something and um learning growing but then to have time where I'm silent and still is like, it allows for that to become digested. And then, and then I, I can move back into doing, but now through that digestion, it's like the stuff has become a part of me and I can use it in my own new way. Um, and it makes me think of uh, like a fist and an open hand mm-hmm. and like the possibility of, of just like constantly opening and, and closing or not constantly, but fluidly opening and closing the hand because you need to like to pick up a, a fruit, you know, to eat it, you have to be able to, to hold it and grab it and then bring it to your mouth. Mm. Uh, but then if, if you keep the fruit in your hand for the rest of the day, that hand will no longer be able to uh, be used for anything else. So you have to like let go of it and place yeah. it back down. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then this make me think of just maybe following some intuitive wisdom for mm-hmm. being and doing. Like if I feel hungry, I use my hand to grab the fruit and, and I eat it yeah. and then I put it back down and my hand is now free for whatever it might want to grab onto next mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. But and so it's more logistically, uh, that's a great question in terms of how you find the balance of that yeah. i know i try to have a, a long sort of period of what feels like being to me at the start of my day mm. before i have before i dive into doing yeah because um, then i think my doing is so much more informed by uh like a, a place of kind of groundedness and peace mm. versus mm. the the opposite of that um mm. Something I'd like to inject more of throughout my days are moments of stillness. Uh, I think I do that in a micro level. Like I, I think I'm, I probably have thousands of micro moments hmm. of stillness, but to have maybe a bit more of you know, five minute period here where I just stop everything hmm. and sit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How do you find the balance of that? Yeah, I think, uh, I some I, when I was listening to you, I, I I realized that some somewhere deep down I know the answer. It's just that you know. Uh, then again, my rational mind is wanting me to evaluate things here, because I realized that when you mentioned that word intuitive guidance, intuitive wisdom, I realized that it is intuitive. Uh, you know, you cannot may, uh, maybe you cannot take a pen and paper and write down. Okay, this is you know these are like six hours in a day where I will spend just being and, you know, rest, uh, you know, 10 hours or 12 hours in, in doing mode, because maybe when you are spending those six hours in just being mode, there is this desire to do something, you know, maybe you're feeling like doing something at that time, 
and you, but you have dedicated that time for just being and mm-hmm. maybe when you are doing then you have dedicated that time for uh you, you know doing but you you just want to be in that moment so this again started making me question about schedules that how effective are schedules when we fix time for doing a particular thing or just being in that moment hmm. and that then again brought me to the idea of uh, flow and taoism in which uh, you know laozi talks about just going with the flow with the natural energy whatever you feel like doing in the moment do that rather than having any uh, schedules or fixed ideas of doing things hmm makes me think of how you can have a schedule to maybe give you some grasp of the day ahead of you mm mm-hmm. but then within those things you have the option of being alive like you have the option of mm-hmm. of being within whatever that thing is that you're doing if it's a if it's a meeting or mm-hmm. if it's a work task or exercise or whatever it is like mm-hmm. sort of the parameters have been limited to some degree of your experience just based on whatever it is that you're scheduling to do at that time mm-hmm. but then once you're in it there is quite a big world of possibility i think mm-hmm. in terms of how that thing could unfold mm-hmm. and so if you can maybe accept okay this is what i'm doing now mm-hmm. and now i can be open to it um mm-hmm. i can notice my resistance to it like my i remember in the last place that i worked i had to do these particular notes after each individual session mm-hmm. and they were kind of the bane of my existence to a certain degree and i felt so much <laughs> resistance against them Mm-hmm. but i th- then realized like well this is something i have to do mm-hmm. and i think through shifting into a okay this is what i'm doing how can i connect to what is actually meaningful about this task now and mm-hmm. how can i see this as a brand new experience versus being like okay there's these notes and i hate them and i don't actually want to do them so it's going to take away so much from what could possibly be my present moment experience if i was to open back up to it Mm. in this new way. Mm. Uh so I think about that often uh mm. any feeling of resistance to mm. use that as a valuable valuable opportunity mm. to go to to explore inward like what is really my resistance to this situation and yeah. how can I maybe open back up to it is there a fear that is causing me to not open back up to it okay well maybe that's valuable too how can I open up to that fear here maybe that's pointing me in a really important direction of something that i need to face or i could continue to avoid it and then it's just going to get build up regret over time because i'm not facing it hmm. i don't know those are just some thoughts that i have and and like how is that for you because I, as you were mentioning it i remember like the time when i allowed myself to do that to just uh look at my resistance and uh, you know uh I, I went back to my uh, time when I was working, uh, you know, in as a marketing manager, and I had this task in front of me of doing so many things. I, I remember I was just then sitting with that and asking myself, okay, what is my resistance? And the answer that came was, I just don't want to be here. <laughs> mm. So that made me go away from the task. So what I want to understand is that how is that helpful to you? I mean it makes me think of 
potentially the the real flower and the fake flower mm. uh, that might be pointing out something deeply important to you mm -hmm. uh, of like, I don't want to be here. Mm. Uh, and then it's up to you what to do with that. Cause that could, that could mean really big, difficult yeah. things in your life. I'm going to uproot what my life has been up to this point. Yeah. And it did actually, <laughs> yeah. It made me yeah. leave my job. <laughs> I, I guess the thing that I'm thinking is the more that you do that, maybe the more obviously you're seeing the answers that are in front of you, but mm. there might be a, a sort of a past version or a conditioned version that doesn't want to look at that because mm. that would mean maybe looking at what you've been missing or like what you regret or how hard it would be to do this other thing that maybe you really deeply want to do, mm. or maybe if you were to try and then it didn't work out, that would be worse than if I just stayed here and kept on not liking what I'm doing. Yeah. Makes me think of that. I'm sure I've shared this line before um, from Sheldon Cop, the one about uh, we often prefer the control of guaranteed unhappiness over the uncertainty of possible happiness. Mm. Um, right. That's beautiful. But I wonder if by continuing to have some stillness and really investigate the resistance, that kind of answer might become more and more obviously clear to the point where you have to do something about it. Mm. Like kind of like you said you did. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think it was, uh, you were right about that because when I, uh, when I gave myself that opportunity to ask this question that what is my resistance? uh that helped me to make that life changing decision which actually was you know in the longer run beneficial to me mm. so yeah I, I can see the value there now <laughs> great so maybe uh let's get into meditation and see that you know what is now sounds great okay so maybe we can today just be in the moment and see what the listener can see what comes up for them. Uh, you know, something similar to the practice that we, uh, we do in the beginning of the session, which is silence. But this time, maybe just observing our own thoughts and being and seeing that what is now. Okay, so the listener, people who are listening, you can get into your comfortable posture, whatever that is for you, the meditative posture. And if you want to keep your eyes open, if you want to close your eyes, it's up to you. So let's begin. And now maybe you can bring your awareness to your breath. And just observe your breath.
observing the inflow and the outflow of the breath. Allowing your mind to just be here and now in this moment. Allowing your body to be here and now in this moment. Just relaxing your body, loosening up and enjoying this moment totally. Then maybe you can just notice if there are any thoughts in your mind right now. And just see what is it that you might be thinking about. Even if that is a single thought. And maybe seeing those thoughts as bubbles, visualizing them as bubbles floating in front of you with each thought representing one bubble. Or maybe seeing those thoughts on a screen in front of you with the pictures on the screen changing with every thought. And then becoming aware of this awareness that is watching the thoughts. 
who is watching the thoughts? Feel the presence of this awareness that is observing, watching. And then you can gradually bring your awareness back to your body. Feeling your body, your arms, your hands, your feet, the weight of your body on the couch or on the chair or on the floor. And then gradually in your own time, you can come out of the meditation. Thanks for that, as always. My pleasure. It was a great time today. Mm. Look forward to being with you and with you all next time. See you. Thank you for joining us in the What Is Now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.